Welcome to Beth Takun and our study of the book of Yehoshua, or Joshua. This week we're in chapters 18 to 19, and it is here we see the end of the dividing of the land of Canaan to the remaining tribes. The sanctuary has now moved to Shiloh, where it will remain for the next 369 years. Judah and Joseph, as Ephraim and Manasseh, have been given their territories already, and here we read of the territories and or cities that go to Benjamin, Simeon, Zebulun, Issachar, Asher, Naphtali, and Dan. You know, though we see so much detailed attention paid to Israel throughout Scripture, we know that God is concerned with more than just the people of Israel. God's will is to use Israel to reach the world, right? But in order to do that, Israel has to become a people that lives within its boundaries, living the life they are supposed to live, so that they can be a light to the nations. God preparing his people in such detailed ways can easily cause the casual observer to lose sight of the fact that this is all preparation for a larger goal. First Abraham, then Israel, then the world. I know this week my teaching is behind schedule. Um, we had a special Shabbat Wednesday. I wanted to put the finishing touches on this resource sheet that I'm about to walk you through, and we've been having some technical difficulties, so we'll see how this goes. If you haven't already done so, make sure to download and print or have it on your tablet a copy of this sheet as we go through it. A link to it is in the email announcing this teaching and in the description to this video below. Once you have that on hand, we can continue. All right, so I call this sheet the spiritual significance of the land of Israel. It's based on something similar Grant created and shared in his teaching from 2002 on Joshua chapters 18 and 19, the same chapters we're in this week. His version was handwritten and kind of small, so I blew it up a little bit, cleaned it up, and combined much of what was taught in, into the visuals so that it fits neatly on the page. And I really hope this, value, this is a valuable tool for you as you go back over Joshua in the future. So what I'd like to do is walk you through the sheet itself, zooming in on certain parts and sharing some thoughts as we go. There's no discussion guide this week, as this sheet should inspire some conversations on its own. I have the sheet here on my iPad, and you may have it on your tablet or printout. So once you have it, let's dive in. So first of all, what you'll notice on this sheet is that Israel is not in the right orientation, or it, it might not seem so. And this is done on purpose. Um, usually we would look at a map and, and north and south are a certain way. But it's important here to understand how these words are used in the Hebrew. So we'll go ahead and start with north. Now I'm going to zoom in here to the left side of the sheet. And two words that are used for north in Hebrew are Shmuel, which means left hand, and Tzafun, which means hidden, dark, concealed. Uh, it also can be translated as longing. So right off the bat, we see that north actually means left. Going across the sheet to the south, and moving up here, we see south here on the right. The two, word, two of the words used for south are yamin, which can translate as right hand, and negev, which translates as dryness. The negev is the dry place. 
All right, so we've done north and south. Let's go east and west. We'll go to the top of the sheet here. East. Two words used for east are kedem, which can be translated in front of or forward, and the word mitzrach, rising. Of course, that denotes the rising of the sun in the east. So the east is in front of or forward. Going down to the bottom of the sheet, to the west, we have the words achar and miba hashemesh. Achar is translated as hind part, rear or behind. And miba hashemesh is setting of the sun. So this, using these cardinal directions, is why Israel is placed on the sheet as it is. Because this is how, through Hebraic thought, we are to interface with the land of Israel. East is ahead, west is behind, north is on the left, south is on the right. So, we've gone through the cardinal directions, why Israel is placed on the sheet this way. Now, let's talk about left and right a little bit, briefly. Moving down to the bottom of the sheet, we have some lists here. In Hebraic thought, the left is associated with physicality, as you see in that first bullet point. Moving to the south or the right, the right is associated with spirituality. So left physicality, right spirituality. And forgive me if I move this, um, this sheet around too fast. I don't want to give you guys an uh, upset stomach or make you dizzy, but... Um, so bear with me. I'll try to go slow. All right, so now what I want to do is I just want to walk through the land from south to north, and just let's just take a look at it as we go. So we'll start here in Judah. Judah is a big, very large portion. It's the, the largest of the portions on the west of the Jordan. Uh, there we see Simeon in there too. Now as we read uh, or have read in Joshua this, uh, this week, Simeon gets cities within Judah. Moving along uh, to the north, we see where Bethlehem or Bethlehem uh, will be. Jerusalem there is on the border of Judah and Benjamin. Benjamin there is sandwiched in between Judah and the tribes of Joseph of Ephraim and Manasseh. Uh, and there's something important to be learned there. Dan is, is this long any little, little portion or territory down to the uh, uh, Mediterranean Sea. Issachar, uh, there's uh, Nazareth, Nitzaret there, where uh, Yeshua will find his home. Uh, Zebulun, Naphtali, and Asher um, to the north. As you'll notice too, um, the, the color here is to denote the the whether it's an arid or lush area. Judah is dry. Judah is arid and desert. Um, in the north, where Asher, Naphtali, Zebulun, Issachar, all those up there, that is a lush area. That's where uh, so much of the food and the fruit and the, the living water uh, is found in Canaan. All right, so let's go back to Benjamin here. Benjamin's territory, as you can see, is sandwiched between the territories of Judah and Joseph. Well, when I say Joseph, of course, I mean Ephraim and Manasseh. 
Joseph was divided up into those two tribes. Um, and they've already received their allotted land in previous chapters. Benjamin's role within Israel is to be the bellwether of the unity of the brothers, just like in the Joseph and his brothers narrative in Genesis. You could say that the purpose of Joseph's ruse in that narrative was to show that Judah was a reformed character and he would protect his half-brother Benjamin in the exact opposite way to how he sold his other half-brother Joseph into slavery. Like the cherubs reaching over the Ark of the Covenant, Judah and Joseph reach across to Benjamin, protecting him. As soon as they do not, if they turn aside from each other, they are disunited and Benjamin is abandoned. In chapter 18 of Joshua, verse 11, we read, Now the lot of the tribe of the children of Benjamin came up for their clans. The territory of their allotment lay between the children of Judah and the children of Joseph. No other tribal territory is described in this way. So the point of Benjamin here is to be between the two principal brothers, keeping them together. Moving north to the left here, we see Timnat Serach. Uh, this is not a place that you probably have heard of much before, but there it is. This is, as we read in Joshua 19, Joshua's territory, the place that he requested. Um, but what's interesting is that in Judges, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, the place is called not Timnat-Serach, but Timnat-Cheres, um, a location clearly named after the Egyptian sun god Horus. So Serach means uh, abundant. Timnat is portion. Uh, Timnat-Cheres is portion of the sun instead of abundant portion, portion of the sun. Um, in the in the Midrash, so the ancient rabbis, they recount that there is a symbol of a sun on the grave of Joshua located there. The obvious point of this is to remind the reader that it was Joshua for whom God made the sun stand still in chapter 10 of Joshua, showing his mastery over even the greatest forces in nature. Nevertheless, it seems that at some later date, this theological message was lost and the reason why Joshua was buried in a place named after a foreign god became obscure and shocking. So here, the three letters of Horus's name have been reversed to save Joshua's honor. That's how the ancient rabbis uh, describe this uh, flipping of the spelling. In Joshua, it's a Samech Resh Chet, but in Judges, it's Chet Resh Samech. Um, it could also be said, though, that Joshua is choosing to be, he's choosing to live in the land of the sun. He wants to be smack dab in the middle of Israel, which if you look at Timnat Serach, it is geographically in the center of Israel. From the, from the north to the south, uh, east to west, it is smack dab right in the middle. So he's wanting to be right in the center um, and uh, where he can, observe and be and be equidistant to all places, um, generally speaking, within Israel. All right, so we've uh, we've looked at some of these places, um, and let's now look at the three sections here. 
So the order of conquering of the land happened from south to north. In chapter 15 of Joshua, we read of Judah being conquered, or the the territory that ended up as Judah. In chapter 16 and 17, that land went to Joseph. And then in 18 through 19, the remaining tribes get their land, and the conquering went that way. So if we look at the top of this section in the green, the order of conquering uh, was first looking south where Judah is, second looking south to where Joseph, where Ephraim and Manasseh were, and and where Benjamin is, is wedged in there, and then Dan is also kind of wedged in there as well. And then third is the rest of the tribes, Asher, Naphtali, Zebulun, and Issachar. There's an interesting verse in uh, chapter 18 that says, how long will you be lax? Right. So Judah has, has, uh, was the area first conquered, then Joseph, and then God says, how long will you be lax? Like, why, why haven't you finished the job of conquering the land? The land is in three sections. In each of us, there's this area that God tells us remains unconquered. And he also tells us that he wants us to explore those areas of, your, of our lives that haven't, then, haven't yet yielded to him. Then, after assessing it, come back to Shiloh, repent to Shiloh, and he will break it up. This is the, a spiritual lesson here in the land. Thinking of these three sections, too, we know how God moves in a person. The direction Adonai moves is first in the spirit, second in the neshama. Uh, And the soul, of course, we understand to have uh, two parts, the neshama and the nefesh. One is more concerned with the spiritual, the other, which is the neshama, and the other, the nefesh, is more concerned with the flesh. Um, God, when God created Adam, you know, he formed Adam out of the earth, out of the Adama, out of the soil, and he breathed into him the neshama of life, Hebrew says. And man became a living nefesh. So he breathed the neshama, and he became a living nefesh. God breathed into Adam's nostrils the neshama of life, and man became a living nefesh. So here we see spirit and soul. Spirit is purely God, and the soul is what is within us. Some of it is, is focused on the spirit. Some of it's focused on the flesh. The flesh, as we know, is not in and of itself evil. It is a thing. It is a vehicle by which we engage and interact in creation. It's the part of our soul that is concerned with the flesh that is the real, where, where the battleground is in our lives. Um, we also see here at the top in the three sections the direction the enemy likes to move. The enemy moves first into the place of our soul that is mostly concerned with the flesh. That's where we are attacked. That's where we become, if we're weak there, that's where he'll enter into first. Then he moves into the neshama where uh, uh, we're more focused on the spirit. Um, he could never, I don't believe, move into the realm of the spirit uh, in that progression there, but you get the idea that the enemy, the adversary, and Adonai are working from opposite directions. 
um, and this is this is purposeful. So let's go back to Judah here. Judah represents the spiritual realm. If we see here, we can look down at the, the list at the bottom of the page too. It is large. It is dry and it is desert. Uh, it is also Messiah's birthplace. Bethlehem is uh, found in Judah. But the spiritual realm has very little to satisfy the flesh. Judah is dry. It is desolate. But in that dryness, in that desolate place where there is nothing but you and God, great writings and insights have come out of Judah. The prophets go to Judah because there's nothing there but God. It's a great unexplored area. This is the place to be still in Judah. And Yeshua was born in Judah, but then he was hidden in the north. And we know that he then lived in Nazareth, in the place of the Nephesh. Right? If we look down here at the Holy of Holies, here's a, here's a small little rendering of the holy place and the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was a stark and, and lonely place. It's not a place that you went in with a group of people. You went in alone. There was only one person who could go in there at a time to be with Adonai. The temple itself, the altar, is a picture of table fellowship with God and a picture of a marriage between the entirely spiritual and the soul or flesh of man. Now, this was one thing I couldn't quite fit on here, but if we were to zoom way in on Jerusalem, we would see that the boundary of Benjamin and Judah traces a line around the altar. So we went way, way in, into the, into the temple itself and at the altar. The boundaries of Benjamin and Judah trace a line around the altar so that the altar was in Benjamin, but the rest was in Judah. The temple is smack dab between the border of where the physical and the spiritual meet in a unique way. The altar, of course, is where the aroma rises up, where we have a, a table fellowship with God. Uh, and it's, it's pictured so beautifully here. We eat part of the, uh, uh, the offering, and the rest of it goes up to him. So it's this meeting point of spirit and soul. And then just, just look around here. So Joshua's portion is in the center. Joshua, Yeshua, he represents Yeshua. Yeshua wants to live in the very center of ourselves, right? And then in the nephesh here to the north or to the left, this is where the soul interacts with the flesh, and it's where the battle always rages. This is where the battle is. This, the northern tribes were the first to be uh, uh, held captive, right? Captivity from the north, the northern tribes were captured first. It is lush and green. It's easy. There's, you know, milk and honey flowing. It's, it's beautiful, right? But that is not where you find spiritual rest. It's where your body is provided for. Looking back down at the 
temple, or the, the, yeah, the, the, the holy place and the holy of holies, we see here that the, the table of showbread on the left, and this is the position it would be in, it's on the side pointing to the physical, because bread is where we get, that, that is our physical sustenance. On the south, on the right, is the menorah, the menorah that holds the light, which is spiritual, and that's on the south, right? So all of this is, all of this is, is paralleled and pictured at, at the, the micro level and the macro level, and that's really the point of this, is that when we look at Israel, in this way, we're seeing ourselves. We're seeing how the spiritual on the south or on the right is big and vast and stark and undiscovered. The physical or the, the nefesh part of our soul on the left or on the north is smaller, more easily navigable, has fruit and water and food and is lush and beautiful and comfortable. It's easy to be comfortable there. Um, and then in the center is where our Yeshua, our Joshua, lives. He lives there in the part of our soul that's most concerned with spiritual things. I just think this is such a great tool. We see also that God comes God, in, in at least three places in Scripture, God comes in from the south. In Deuteronomy 33, Judges 5.4, and in Habakkuk 3.3, he enters into the, the, the world, he enters into ourselves through the spiritual, which I, mean, I don't think anyone, any believer listening to this would disagree with. So there you have it. There is our little resource. Um, yeah, and uh, we'll pick up uh, uh, next week with talking about um, chapters 20 and 21. Um, so we'll just leave it there for this week. Uh, so we'll do 20 and 21 next week, and then we'll finish out the following week with chapters 22 to 24. So until next week, may God bless you, and may he make us into the kind of people who do not lax in our instruction to search out the areas of our souls that remain unconquered. And may Yeshua, our Messiah, dwell squarely in the center of ourselves so that his light can be reflected in us as we live lives within the boundaries of God's kingdom. Shalom.